We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. Coming up, the latest episode of 21 Questions, a subscribe-provided Q&A show that's proudly presented by McAdoodles, your one-stop shop for beer, wine, and spirits, now in Kansas City. Don't forget to hit that follow button so you don't miss anything from the highest-ranked Chiefs podcast network of 2022. And now, the latest episode of 21 Questions. What's up, everybody? My name is Craig Stout. This is 21 Questions brought to you by our great pals at McAdoodles. McAdoodles has a store in Lee's Summit, Missouri. It is an excellent place to buy all your liquor because they have the best selection, the best prices, and elite customer service. If I had to give a Super Bowl ring to any liquor store in the entire world, it would be McAdoodles. That's how highly I think of this company. And that's also how highly I think of my good pal, Maddie Lane, joining me for today's 21 questions. Maddie, my friend, it's still Super Bowl week. Are you, are, have you come down from all of that at all yet? Well, so here's the thing. First of all, McAdoodles, I would say they're like the world champions of liquor stores, kind of like the Kansas City Chiefs are world champions of the world. Um, two, yeah, I've come down a little... So here's, here's the tricky part. You know me. There's a Super Bowl here. It was fun. I've actually almost been more excited about the Super Bowl on like Monday and Tuesday than I was Sunday night. Um, but And then now we've kind of transitioned. Uh, it's draft time for me. So like there's not really a downtime. Like we go from, oh yeah, I'm super excited about the Super Bowl. And right when I think you're supposed to have a letdown, I'm like, Time to get into the draft. I'm getting excited for the draft now because it's finally time to start talking about it, looking at flights to get back to Kansas City because the draft is in there. I get to see yours and Kent and BJ's and Tuck's beautiful faces. So, you know, I'm still riding high right now. Yeah, I'm 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 riding pretty high as well. I, you know, I haven't had a whole lot of time to dive into the draft prior to this. I'm excited to get into it. We got the combine coming up very soon. Combine means See bad scores start rolling in. I get to start really digging into the corners again. I'm really excited to do all that. So, yeah, I'm ready for that. But I am still basking in a Super Bowl victory. So, so much more fun when your team wins, you guys. Breaking news. Break true is there. Big if true, even. Big if true. All right. First question here coming from our good pal Joel Penfield. Could you have scored 
on corn dog, Maddie. Okay. <laughs> on corn dog. Like, okay, yeah, the, I think I could have. I can catch a football. It's been a while since I've caught a football in pads and a helmet, so, like, that's the trick. But, like, you give me just enough time to get used to doing it with that stuff on. I think I could catch that ball and waltz in because there was no one there. I think it would be easier to score on hot dog, the second one, because the play was just busted. It was Kadarius Tony had to put a little a little pizzazz into his little whip route, his return motion, and coming back out. There was a little bit extra to it. Not that Sky did it, but that was just a broken adjustment by the Eagles. Whereas in the first one, t- Tony just played against the rules, so I think you had to be more intentional. And they're not going to rock and roll my speed across the field. Let me be very clear: <laughs> there's no need to try to rock and roll and out leverage me on jet motion. <laughs> so Maddie against trickier. I would I would love to see Avante Maddox just dead sprinting across the backside of a formation to catch up with you on a flat route. Uh, just for reference on Core Dog, no, my hip would completely pop out of socket. I would fall into a heap on the ground the moment I tried to pivot out into the flat. I mean, yeah, just I wouldn't have scored. No. Zach Oracle Metagorkin asks, who are your top three free agents for defensive tackle. Um, Maddie, I, I mean, I've got some here. Uh, I, Deron Payne, I think, is probably at the top of both of our lists there. A guy that would be a true impact player at that position could play a one-tech position next to Chris Jones as well. Doesn't mean you got to move on from Chris Jones. Yes, that's a lot of money wrapped up in the defensive line, but guess what, guys? They've wrapped up a lot of money in that defensive line before, and it hasn't killed the team. So, I think that that would be a fun tandem there. Uh, Maddie, you want to take another one here? Uh, I think Javon Hargrave is the clear next guy up after Deron Payne. I think Payne's first because of age, a little bit more explosive, a little bit more of a pass rusher. But Javon Hargrave for the Eagles is phenomenal. He's exceptional. Um, he's 30 years old now, so maybe some teams will be a little scared off by that. But like his talent level, I think, very easily clears everybody else. So I think it's Payne, Hargrave, and then that after this is where I think it gets a little bit dicier. Now it's kind of like, what do you want? What are you looking for? Um, so like if you go through here, I don't know if anybody else really jumped out to you. I saw I there, there's like shy Tuttles in there, maybe yeah. a you know, medium buy kind of scenario there. I mean, you've got you got some older guys. Fletcher Cox is obviously out there. David Onyemata, Onyemata, sorry, is out there. So I mean. There's some older guys, maybe not somebody that Brett Veach is going to pursue. I mean, we got to throw Colin Saunders' name in the mix here. After the season that he had, I mean, if you're you're trying to buy medium, buy medium with Colin Saunders in my book. Uh, Dalvin Tomlinson, if you're looking for a guy that can play a little bit against the run and still not have to always leave the field against the pass. Sheldon Rankins is oddly still only 29. I remember him coming out, was at Louisville, where he was one of the super young guys, but he's still only 29. Uh, bouncing around the league. So like if you're just looking for a guy that gives a little bit of a pass rush, maybe. So there's there's some DTs. It's a decent free agent DT class, but I think most of it's kind of propped up by Payne and Hargrave. So like if you're if you want a DT, you probably have to go after one of those two guys, or you're just kind of filling out, I would say, more role players at the position than a uh, full on starter. For sure. All right. Lee eighty seven asked the question the biggest surprise addition to the roster for 2023. I I know we're going to get asked 42,000 times who the biggest surprise cut is going to be for 2023. I like this approach. Biggest surprise addition for 2023. 
Anybody jump to mind for you, Matt? I mean, I think I I think there is an outside chance the Chiefs go spend big money on one of those defensive tackles. And I think that might kind of surprise some people because they already have Chris Jones. Everyone's thinking you want a defensive end. You don't need another D-tackle right away. I don't know. Just flowing through the rumor mill and some of the stuff that she's kicked around during the season, I think there's an outside chance they go after a Hargrave or a Deron Payne with a pretty fat payday to play next to Chris Jones rather than paying another uh, defense or paying a defensive end. I'm going to say DeAndre Hopkins. Um, okay. I, I, I think that would be a big surprise, not just because it would probably mean they're moving off from Juju Smith-Schuster, a guy that this team definitely loves. You might, at that point, depending on how you feel about Kadarius Tony, how you feel about Sky Moore's development, you might even hit the abort button on Marquez Valdez-Scantling's contract. You could, in that scenario, if you were adding a guy like DeAndre Hopkins. Now, I don't know what his trade you know, value is at this point. We haven't heard any real rumors. There's been stuff people, you know, like in the Discord, we talk about it. It's like, man, would you give up a three? Absolutely. Would you give up a two? Absolutely. The guy's only 30. He is fairly effective. He has not finished the past two years, so that valuation's a little bit lower. But man, you get a true X out there that can gain separation. Like, that guy fits perfectly in this offense. He absolutely does. Put him in the exact role that Sammy Watkins played and thrive with so much more than what Sammy could even bring to the offense. Plus, you've still got Kadarius Toney. You've still got Sky Moore. You've still got Travis Kelsey your weapons then go from really good this year. I mean, they really were good across the board to really great with those guys on the field. I, I would be excited about that group. Please. Please. All right. Um, We've got Zach asking, will it take me a long time to leave my space station to work on solid ground again? Referencing the fact that moving to Colorado, I'm not in a space station right here. I could. There's a tree right out there, you guys. So he planted it. You hear that? First, right there. First, Tojo form on Mars, a tree that Craig planted. Tojo144 asked, What Valentine's Day card did KCSN send to Eli Apple? Nothing, because we couldn't figure out his Cancun address. Sorry, Eli. All right, the big institution's biggest fan has a serious one here. At what price point should we re sign Orlando uh, Brown Jr.? Same question for Wiley. We are not cap experts by any means, Maddie, but if you want to talk in realms of contracts for players and competitive players and stuff like that, I think that that would give people a good idea. Yeah, so I think for Orlando Brown, I, you're paying him more than Ronnie Stanley. I think you're hoping that you don't pay him more than Laramie Tunzel, but with his age and coming off of another All-Pro and then the Super Bowl ring, it might be hard to get. It might be hard to sign Orlando Brown Jr. to the not the highest paid offensive tackle contract in the NFL. I just straight up, it might be kind of hard to make that work. But I think your absolute bottom floor is more than Ronnie Stanley, probably substantially more. So like I think you're probably looking at twenty one ish per APY um, for his like just bottom his basement level. There's no chance you're going to get below twenty one. That's the that's the thing that we've got to kind of feel out here because if you're signing a contract like that, obviously his first year money is going to be low. It just will be low. And so you don't have to worry about, you know, those hits until three or four years down the road. But we're also kind of asking those questions about Chris Jones. 
you know, signing that contract and his big money would hit three or four years down the road. Now, again, cap is going up. It went up even bigger than everybody was expecting this year. So yes, I could see that Orlando Brown Jr. And he is right to ask for it. The, it wasn't even the way that he played in the postseason. This is him making his fourth straight Pro Bowl, which means the NFL, despite not being one of the fan vote guys, that means the NFL views him in that light, period. Whether or not fans do, the NFL views him in that light. And if that's the case, that means he and his agent are going to ask for $21, $22, 23000000 million, and they're going to be justified in doing it because there are other teams that will. And the Kansas City Chiefs are not going to go into this season without a left tackle that they can trust on the roster. And they trust Orlando Brown Jr., and they like him. So that man is sticking around. I think he's going to get paid. I think Andrew Wiley is going to be around the 8 to $10 million range. I do. Um, that's. I think he's going to get medium right tackle money. And medium right tackle money is probably pricing himself out of Kansas City. Like, it is. And good for him. I mean, he should absolutely go get that money. But, you know, he's got a couple of rings. He's got everything that he could have ever wanted out of Kansas City at this point. But he's going to get paid a lot of money somewhere else. And I I don't know because the Chiefs have consistently tried to replace him, you know, by drafting guys over the top of him. I don't know if they view him in the same light that the rest of the NFL will, unfortunately. So you're slotting him in ahead of players a little bit more than Lyle Collins and a little bit less than Rob Havenstein of the Rams. That's kind I of mean, the range that you pegged. And I don't know if that's wrong. I Down the stretch, I mean, Lyle Collins was hurt, but Lyle Collins wasn't yeah. great for the Bengals beforehand either way. Not. Like he still wasn't really. I think you can easily make a case that Andrew Wiley was better the last half of this season before Collins was hurt and the last half of the year than what Collins was. Um, I don't know if you're, yeah, and he's not going to compete for a Jack Conklin 15 million per year. No. But like, yeah. So I, I don't know. It's, that's the range you're looking at. And it's really hard. I'm looking through the contracts now. There's only one, two, three, four, five, six right tackles making over 10 million per year. And mm-hmm. George Fant was the next closest at nine and he's a free agent again. So like the end of Lael Collins is next. I don't yeah. know if the Chiefs can pay a right tackle that much money and fill out the rest of their roster and Orlando Brown Jr. And I think he and his agent have every right to ask for that. I mean, at this point, he because again, somebody will pay him that. He's two-time Super Bowl champion. So anyway, hey Gumagras, hey Maddie, how excited are you to be Maddie Kuiper for the next few months? This is kind of a shameless plug here. Let's go. KCSN Discord that you get by subscribing to. KCSN Substack, which you can do by also buying the draft guide. The link is up on these guys' Twitter pages. You can get three months of the KCSN Substack. That is KCSN Daily. That's what that's called. And you will get access to the KCSN Discord as well as the ultra-awesome draft guide. There will be a full member mock draft that was run last year. Our guy, Kay Gummiger, ran the thing. He ran through every permutation. There were all kinds of trades. Everybody took a team. They picked every single pick in the draft with trades, with everything, trading even players on teams. It wasn't just trading picks. It was trading players on teams. Maddie out here graded every single 
one of the first two days of the draft. Is that right? At least two days, yeah. I think I might have started on the third day, and I, I had to call at that point in time, and then just kind of gave like some final grades to uh, people that were asking this, hung around. Yeah. And- I did my I did my best Mel Kuyper, so I tried to grade everyone's draft picks as they were happening live. Um, I think this year it sounds like we might be trying to start even a little bit earlier, which would give me more time to grade stuff. Last year it took them about a week to do the draft, so it's not like you're spending a too long a time. It seemed like everybody that signed up still paid attention, so... If you're interested, you do got to make sure you get on that Discord, sign up for that KCS and Substack, because uh, I think Christian K. Gumminger, he's he's working on getting the list of people that want to contend right now. We have a fun way this year to figure out who gets which teams. So if this sounds interesting to you, you want to jump on it early, because we're going to pick teams before free agency starts this year, oh, yeah. so you can kind of follow your team through free agency. You don't get that you you don't get to make any decisions then, but that way you get to follow your team in free agency and just feel a little bit more connected to them. So we're we're getting it started soon. There were discussions about including free agency this year and everybody I vetoed it. Yeah. Everybody's just gonna went, Ooh, that's gonna be a little bit steep. The the draft itself was enough. But yeah, fun little stuff like that happening in the Discord all the time. So if you're interested in that, go Sign up, you can get the draft guide, or $30 a year, $5 a month. Go do that. All right, next question we've got up here from Nick Deal. You think there's a possibility to make a big splash at wide receiver? He says, for example, Keenan Allen, when he's inevitably cut by Los Angeles, or uh, whilst they have a core of their wide receiver under good, cheap, cost control, KT and Sky Moore, or are they convinced more than ever that Pat can make any group work and spend that money elsewhere? I don't think that they're going to go unload the bag at a wide receiver, right? So, like, if Michael Thomas is cut, if DeAndre Hopkins, Keenan Allen, whoever are cut, I don't think they're going to go throw the bag after them to make them one of the highest paid wide receivers. But if they become available for what they deem a reasonable amount, and that's why I think we're kind of focusing on these slightly older players that maybe aren't coming off of their best seasons because maybe they're not looking at top dollar, rather going after a ring, I think it is absolutely a possibility the hard part, though, is go look at the free agent wide receiver class. There's no big splash there. Juju Smith-Schuster is the most productive. He's the the highest like rated wide free agent wide receiver. It's him and Jacoby Myers. Neither one of those are splashes. So you're kind of relying on a trade or waiting for someone to get cut, which makes it a little dicey. Do you think that Keenan Allen gets more money than Juju Smith-Schuster this year? I think there's an argument there. I, I think there's a real discussion there because I, I will hear that Keenan Allen... It will be valued by some teams higher. Both of them are hurt a lot. Keenan Allen is older. I mean, eh, but Keenan Allen has produced. I don't know. I I think there. I think that's tough. Yeah, that's hard. I I think Keenan Allen will get. Well, Keenan Allen will get more because I think it'll be like a one year deal. Probably. I don't know. That's a tricky one. I'm intrigued. I'm looking now. Keenan Allen's played 16, 16, 16, 14, 16, 10 games. So really, he's coming off of his only only really significant injured year, but age. Like you said, age starts to factor in here. So I I don't know. I think Keenan Allen gets more. Seeing how many games he's played up until then, I think Keenan Allen probably gets more. Speaking of getting more, I want more Tucker D. Franklin in my life. Folks, I got to tell you about today's sponsor, and that is Athletic Greens. I've been taking AG1 by Athletic Greens literally every day, and I gave it a try. 
Because I wanted to get that better gut health. I wanted to uh, have the sustained energy. You got to support the immune system, especially this time of the year. And I hated taking all those pills and vitamins to actually get all those supplements. And it tastes great as well. I take it in the morning before I start my day, before I make that cup of coffee. And it makes me feel ready to take on everything that we've got going on here at KCSN. And you know, all great athletes take care of their body. I'm not the same kind of athlete as Patrick Mahomes, but I still like to take care of my body. And that's when uh, I've been going to AG1. That's why I'm a huge fan. You get all that nutrition in just one little cup. It's it's a great, it's great for long-term gut health support as well. With 75 high-quality ingredients that give me key daily nutrients. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplemental routine, then Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash KCSN. That's athleticgreens.com slash KCSN. Check it out. You're listening to the fastest-growing sports media network in Kansas City, KC Sports Network. We'll be back right after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. Thanks, Tucker, you elite athlete, you. Next question we've got here, Keith McLean. Chances Frank Clark is on the roster in 2023. Boy, if you would have asked this question six weeks ago, I would have said very slim. You asking me now? I think it's 50-50. I, I do. I think Frank wants to be here. I think Frank knows the system well enough, and I think Frank is not asking for big money anymore. Like I, He got his big payday from the Chiefs. They paid him out pretty well. They took care of him. They even took care, pretty good care of him this last year when I think everybody thought that he was going to be cutting on the street. I, I don't think that he'd cost very much money. And frankly, if all he does, and this is not all he would show up for, but if all he does is show up for the playoffs and perform, he's worth that. 
he's worth that to this team right now. But obviously, he's going to do more. He helped the progression of all those rookies. They have all shouted him out on the defensive line. Not a bad dude to have on your team in a situation where you might be adding some new players to the mix. I think he or Carlos Dunlap will be back. I think it makes more sense to expect Frank Clark to be back because he's more familiar with the system, because he's been around a little bit longer, so on and so forth. I don't think Carlos Dunlap will be as expensive, though. So it all depends on how the Chiefs want to go about it. I think one of those two for sure is back, though. So, I, I, it's, yeah, it's hard to put a percentage on it because I don't know which one the Chiefs are winning. Are they going to... What is Frank Clark going to want, number one? Because there's dead money involved, so technically they might not be spending... Actually, it might be the same price of new money, quote-unquote, to get Frank Clark or Dunlap since there's already going to be dead cap tied into Frank Clark. But one will be back, one probably won't. I don't know which way I'm leaning right now. Fish asks, how much does drafting three solid corners increase the likelihood that they don't extend Sneed? And he made sure to add in here, I am not rooting for this. I don't I don't think very much. Um, I think there's a couple positions that you pay, and cornerback is probably one of them. Now, that has not been the Chiefs MO. That has not been with the Chiefs under Steve Spagnolo, Brett Veach have done, but who should they have paid that they've had? I, yeah, yeah. That, they I haven't say, had one. They haven't had one. Yeah. <laughs> they haven't had one yet. And I think you go back and you look at like Legarius Steve does so much more than just play corner. And now as I'm going through this in my head, I'm talking to myself and you're like, well, okay, he tackles really well, but so does every single corner they just drafted. He's a pretty good blitzer, but so is every single corner they just drafted. Like these other guys do a lot of the stuff he does, but I think it's a proven thing. It's a known commodity. And I really think you probably would lose a lot of versatility. You no longer have your second slot. I don't want to see Jalen Watson or Josh Williams playing the slot, right? So if I want to cycle Trent McDuffie in or out of the slot or move him around or have that other option, Legereus needs that guy and will always be that guy. Um, so I don't know. I feel like you lose a lot of versatility. You lose a guy that's the leader of that cornerback room because he's been here the longest. I don't think that it is high. I, I think they will pay him. I think they will pay him. It's just a matter of, is he going to go chase the highest cornerback money or is he going to take really good cornerback money to stay in Kansas City? I will answer this question with another question that we have down below. I, I will get to that, but yes, I think they keep him here. All right, next question here is from Nick Deal again Boy. here, and I really wanted to hit on this one because we haven't done a whole lot of talking about this, but he asks, is this the year to try and draft high Kelsey's replacement? Everyone seems, seems to think that's the deepest t- tight end class in a while. Kelsey's going to be 34 next season. And he said on his podcast, it's almost a direct quote, that he doesn't, or not on his podcast, after the postgame, it was doesn't know how many seasons he's got left in him. But he did say on his podcast, this was the hardest season physically of any season in the NFL for him. So he kind of asks, would you be happy drafting a tight end high? Is this something you want to focus on? Focus on. We've been hearing this for years, basically, that you know the Chiefs are going to make a concerted effort to draft a tight end. Tra- Travis Kelsey isn't getting any younger. He's a focal part of their offense. They got to find somebody to replace him. First of all, you don't replace Travis Kelsey. Period. That's a Hall of Famer. I know we said that about Tony Gonzalez. They managed to do it. Doesn't matter. They're not going to replace Travis Kelsey. Period. Second of all. They seem to like these kind of by-committee type guys. The Noah Grays, the Joey Fort, Jody Fortson, Blake Bell. They brought back a lot of these guys that can do a little bit of 
everything. And they've made Travis Kelsey kind of the de facto X receiver. So if you are going to be trying to draft Kelsey's replacement, I think you're drafting either an X receiver or a strictly move tight end at this point. Because they've done a good job of filling out the rest of the roster with guys that can inline block a little more, can be with their hand in the dirt. Teams aren't playing the Chiefs 12 personnel with Kelsey on the field like 12 personnel. They're playing at like 11. So roll into that. Try and get another guy that can play the X a little bit more and alleviate some of those snaps for Travis Kelsey. That's how I would approach it rather than just saying, we got to go get the best tight end in the draft. They can do a little bit of everything. I'm looking for the next George Kittle. I'm not looking for that guy. I mean, I am, but I'm not targeting that guy. I'm targeting more of an X or a move guy instead. So, yeah, everything Craig said is true. So I'm going to look at kind of the prospects, I think, that we're talking about here that we'd be going into. I do want to say, I think it's hard. Uh, First round tight ends don't work very well. Second round tight ends, even still, like, it's just such a, it's such a grab bag, right? Tight end is such a grab bag position in terms of projecting draft picks to being good in the NFL. Look where Travis Kelsey went. Look where George Kittle went. Like, Mark Andrews, go on and go forth through all of these highly rated and these really good tight ends. So, uh, this is where it gets tricky. Who do you want to go for? Do you, going down the Craig's pipe or pathway of saying um, they're looking for a move tight end, I would rule out a Michael Mayer and a Darnell Washington right off the bat. Those are guys that I don't think fit the Travis Kelsey rule. And they'd be great to play with them. And maybe you want to make a transition after Travis Kelsey moves on to not try to follow in the same footsteps. I'm here for that argument too. I'm here for you wanting to find a Dallas Goddard who's a very good receiver, but just equally as good of a blocker. And you are going to use him as a traditional tight end so that you're not putting all that pressure on them. I get the path there. So if that's the case, go ahead. The two guys I keep coming back to, Luke Musgrave out of Oregon State, Dalton Kincaid out of Utah. I like Luke Musgrave from Oregon State a little bit better. I think he's a little bigger. He's he's got the Travis Kelsey build. He's six foot five, two hundred fifty five pounds. But when you see him move, nobody thinks of him as a big player. You don't think he's big until you see him next to other guys. And he cracked like twenty one miles an hour at that at that weight at the Senior Bowl. So he can really move. He's not as shifty though. So that's where if you want to go more shifty, I think Dalton Kincaid fits that mold. He's a lot less of a blocker but he's a little bit shiftier. He's going to win underneath. He's got really good hands. Anyone that's watched Utah has this past year saw him have 800 catches. It's like, those are the two guys, but you're if you're the Chiefs, you're probably having to draft him in round one. And I don't know if I love that value. So maybe you wait to get a Sam Laporta or a Tucker Craft in round two. Hope they work out. Like there's pathways to doing this. It's just tight ends are really hard to draft. They're just really hard to draft. Like they are the big swing. Musgrave reportedly runs a four four forty. Like, yeah. I mean, that is moving for a guy his size. I am always team take athletic outliers. I am always that team. But that being said, you're gonna play him at X. Like, I mean, that's what you, that's what you're gonna do with him. You're gonna line him up, you're gonna run him up the seam. Give me an X receiver. Like I uh, I, I don't know. I had I'm fine with Musgrave. Like I'd, I'd be very happy with a player like that because I feel like Andy Reid would find him ways to get free looks and get him up the scene and would completely weaponize him, totally and completely. But man, that is a hefty spend, especially in this club, like Maddie said. All right, ABKC kind of asked something similar to the wide receiver room, and next season I just want to shout him out. Just want to shout him out there. We answered that a little bit earlier. Drew Clark asks, how many Hall of Famers are on this team 
after the second Super Bowl win, coaches, staff, and players. Well, before this Super Bowl, Andy and Mahomes were automatic Hall of Famers, and Travis Kelsey were automatic Hall of Famers. I think at this point, Joe Tooney has an argument. He's got a lot of rings. I know offensive linemen, it's hard to get in, but rings matter way more for offensive linemen than they do for a lot of other positions. What's his all-pro count, though? That's, I think, a main thing. I don't know know what it is. uh, He may have one, maybe two. I don't remember what it was. Right. I think that that's a a really hard way to get in. Zebra. He's got two second-team all-pros and only one Pro Bowl. Okay. Yeah, I don't know if that's going to work. Yeah, I don't know if that's going to work. Um, Let's see here. Man. I mean, was, Chris Jones. Was, was yeah. Steve Spagnuolo in there? I mean, he's it's a Not lot of rings. This. Not before, this. before this. Now it is. Now it is. so? Okay. Yeah. But, I think and he and Chris, Chris Jones are both in. Yeah. Um, Man. It's probably that, it, might though, be, right? that might be it for the guy. You know what? Eric B. Why not? I mean, at this point. Like, because I, I think he's got at least the foundation laid with some of that stuff, and he's been a part of some of the biggest moments of those two Super Bowls. It does sound like Eric Bieniemy at the time that we are recording this, which, I mean, by the time this comes out, may already be signed, looks very positive for him to go to the offensive coordinator in Washington. I think that's BS. He shouldn't have to go there, but... If he goes to Washington and he helps turn around that offense and gets to be a head coach that finds some level of success, they're going to look back on those two rings even more favorably as a guy that was kind of a little bit more of a game planner, help out, and that sort of guy. I can see how a guy like that might sneak in. Not a first ballot guy, like one of those kind of legacy ones that they eventually give to those guys that have been around a long time and offered a lot to the game. But I don't know that those might be the only ones that I can really look at and say that they're automatic Hall of Famers at this point. Right. I think, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I think you could make a case that um, Creed Humphrey might be on his way, like a guy that is setting up a good, fa- like, like being to me, I think a guy that's setting up a good foundation if they can continue a Super Bowl ring, he's going to have the all, all pros, pros as oh, he goes man. through. And, like, that's what matters. So, um, yeah, I, I think he's the next guy, like, player that I'd put on there. I don't, I'm, I'm going to be honest, I don't know how the hall works with non-head coaches. I don't know how often they get in. I don't know what you have to do. So I can't really go much deeper into the coaches after that. Yeah, they, you got to be pretty elite. And you got to be at least a coordinator, really. It, it takes a lot to get in. Um, I will say this, a performance like that out of Nick Bolton in the Super Bowl, Sets him up very nicely if he continues to post. I mean, again, I yeah, the tackles that's what the that matters. Zach Thomas got in, so Zach Todd, listen, don't get me stood. Maddie's trying to get me fired up. He's and uh, got Zach. One of them has more tackles for loss, one of them makes more impact plays, and he's on the Chiefs right now. Don't get me, don't get me started. If Zach Thomas is getting in the Hall of Fame, KCSN's own Derek Johnson should have already been in. Damn it. Okay. I'm 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 going on. Grayson asks, not to be a Debbie Downer, but who underperformed or Hold on, hold on. What's that? Nick Bolton has more career touchdowns than Zach Thomas, I do believe. Look at that. Look at that. Fraud. 
You're listening to the fastest growing sports media network in Kansas City, KC Sports Network. We'll be back right after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. Grayson asked, not to be a Debbie Downer, but who underperformed in the Super Bowl, if anyone? You know, I, with, I'm sure that we can look at the defense and, like, say that people underperformed. Like, you could maybe look at Trent McDuffie and say, hey, listen, that's below his standards. Like, he's underperforming to his standards, but... I don't know that I look at any individual and I say that guy played badly was a reason why things went south in any given time. I mean, even on defense, like you look at a lot of the stuff that happened. Yeah, Legereus need blew a coverage. Trent McDuffie wasn't able to find a ball. But a lot of stuff that was happening was just absolutely insane play by Jalen Hurts, Dallas Goddard, A.J. Brown. So it wasn't anything that I'm looking at the defense and going, oh, you're underperforming. It was more like, man, you got got by a better player, by a good player in that moment. That just happened. Do you have anybody that jumps out? Yeah, it's envious. Um, only got the one target, but it was a really bad look, and it was really unfortunate for him that Greg Olson was on the call and could point out to everybody that the route's targeted depth or target was not where he was. So not only did, like, we all would have seen the, the difficulty tracking the ball, but I think everybody been like, well, yeah, he failed to adjust it, but the ball wasn't right on him. Like, maybe he should have adjusted better. But then when you have somebody that knows what that route is, and it's like, hey, he's actually not where he's supposed to be at all. It just makes it look worse. And I think the big letdown is he came off that superstar, amazing AFC championship game. And then he didn't even get into the stat sheet in the Super Bowl. And it's not like the Chiefs offense was humming in the entire way there was room to make plays there in that first half so I, I think that's one for me but i don't know if that's necessarily a surprise either like we kind of expected that yeah layton y44 asks do you think eb will actually leave this year for another offensive coordinator job or will he be back i think he will leave and yeah. i i think it's entirely to get a head coaching job it has become very apparent through 16 different interviews that Teams do not view him as a head coaching candidate under Andy Reid. Now he's going to go, especially if it's Washington. I think Washington makes a ton of sense. I just do. Ron Rivera is going to run the defense, and he wants somebody that can be autonomous and run the offense. Guess what? Eric Bieniemy can do that. I know that Andy Reid's been kind of over all of that and been doing all of that. That is the best scenario for Eric Bieniemy to walk in, say, this is what I would do in this scenario, and get to do it. Ron Rivera is going to trust him because... Andy Reid's going to vouch for EB. 
and Ron knows EB. Like those guys all know each other. So he's going to let him come in, run the offense the way that he wants to. If that offense is good, if it looks any good, I think that Washington will be a competitive football team next year with that defense. And I think that there is a chance that Eric Bieniemy springboards that into a head coaching job before he would do it for Kansas City for whatever reason, especially if a guy like Derek Carr ends up in Washington. Like, I mean, if he gets a quarterback that can just be competent for him for a little bit, I think that that offense will hum with Bieniemy at the helm. Yeah, I, I think he's gonna he's got to go somewhere else if he wants to continue this um, climb to being a head coach. I you know this had to be a big EB thing. I I agree it'll help him. I also wonder if he doesn't uh, hurt himself when he gets in the interview room. Just based on some rumors, it sounds like he may not always interview the best. And I don't know if going to be an offensive coordinator elsewhere will help that. I, it can't hurt it though. It can't hurt it to go out there and have and be the guy calling and designing a good offense in another team. Maybe you come in and blow the interview, but guess what? You can still be like, but this is my offense. This is what I do. This can talk for me right now. I don't think that he has a lot that he can show and say, maybe I'm not interviewing as well as you want. Maybe I'm rubbing this GM or owner the wrong way, but I, what does he have to slap on the table right now? and be like, but look, this is what I'm doing. Like, I, I think there's a little bit of uncertainty there. And like, I think it's okay to say that he might just interview poorly. I mean, it's not anything bad about him as a coach, as an offensive coordinator. He might just simply interview poorly. I think um, Ben Solak, who covers the Eagles, said that he thinks that a big part of why Josh Gannon uh, got the uh, Cardinals job was he's a great interviewer. He does great in press conferences. He knows how to talk to different types of people, be direct, but also give them enough detail that they feel fulfilled. He said he's a great person to talk to and interview. He thinks that played a huge role. Maybe Bianami is just not that guy. And that, I mean, that's okay to say. It's just he's got to find a way to get past that. And he has not so far. Yeah. And the other flip side of that that kind of aligns with what you're saying Nick Sirianni was apparently a terrible interview, like just absolutely terrible interview. But he had stuff to point to, like he had work to point to. And I mean, if that's all it's going to take is just him being like, I, you know, he can walk to the table and say, hey, it's this, it's this, it's this. And, People might just be looking at that going, yeah, sure, whatever. That's probably Andy. And I, I, I mean, it's never stopped an Andy offensive coordinator before. Like, that's the other part of that. It's never stopped an Andy offensive coordinator before. It shouldn't be stopping him here, especially with how much Andy Reid stands on the table for this man and how respected Andy Reid is. Andy Reid's telling you that man brings something to the table. Guess what? He probably brings something to the table. And he was doing that well before there was a third-round pick or two third-round picks involved. He was just trying to get his man a job. So, I don't know. Best of luck if he does go and leave somewhere. I hope he kills it. And then I hope he gets a head coaching job because it's way, way, way past due. All right. Grayson, kind of in line with this, asked if the Chiefs brought in an, outs- uh, an offensive oh. coordinator from outside the team. Maddie, who do you want? I know your guy's gone now. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. Um. This is. I, I need a lot more time to prepare for this. Um. First of all, I I think Matt Nagy's your offensive coordinator. I think he is. Too. I don't think there's any other options now. I would be very happy to bring in a QB coach. And I, I mean, if we were going to do offensive coordinator, it would have been Todd Munkin, who went to the Baltimore Ravens. I think that would have been fun, adding something new. If you're just adding a QB coach, it gets trickier because you got to find. 
you know, you'd have to find somebody moving laterally or wanting to go from an offensive coordinator probably at college up to the NFL level. It gets tricky. I, you know, Cliff Kingsbury's collecting a lot of money from the Cardinals and not doing a whole I mean, I've seen his setup there in Thailand. I get it. He might not want to go do any work. I understand. But if he was intrigued, if he wanted to stay in the NFL and not go back to college where he would be hired up immediately by somebody, I would not hate having him come on to be a QB coach. If it doesn't work, you move on quickly. It's not a big deal. And you just get some outside ideas that aren't aren't directly from this team. And before anyone gets mad and throws me all his records as a head coach, he wouldn't be the Chiefs head coach. He would be just coaching the quarterback room, focusing all of his energy on just the quarterback room and whatever else the Chiefs throw his way. Go look at Matt Nagy, the head coach. Look at Matt Nagy, the QB coach. Pretty big difference. Yeah, uh, Matt Nagy in this offense pretty damn good like yeah Eric Bieniemy had a lot of influence Andy Reid obviously had the most influence Matt Nagy had plenty there were a lot of Travis said it yeah he did did third down and red zone stuff a lot like that was not all he's not he's the only one but he did a lot of that right so Matt Nagy had a big influence on that and all he got to do was that he he didn't have to head coach didn't have to do that all right Casey from KC asks a thought Let's let one Thornhill walk, move Snead to safety, start McDuffie, Williams, and Watson. What do you think? This is what I was referring to uh, earlier when we were talking about this. I don't hate this, especially as much as the Chiefs have started running some more single high stuff. Obviously still a predominantly too high team. If you go look at their season-long numbers, the too high is very, very, very prevalent. But that was a lot at the beginning of the season. As the end of the season came along, they were running more single high stuff. They were dabbling in that a little bit more. If Legereus Need and Justin Reed are interchangeable pieces that can either play in the box or play deep, I don't hate that move. I think that gets your best five DBs on the field if Juan Thornhill isn't there and doesn't require you to spend any more assets on safety or, well, they're not going to spend it high on cornerback, certainly, but it gets away from having to spend assets to replace Juan Thornhill because you've still got Brian Cook, you've still got Justin Reed, and now you've got Legereus Need. You can play Trent McDuffie in the slot. You got big corners on the outside. I actually like that move quite a bit. Now, it moves Legereus Need further from his impact plays. And so I don't love it. That's what that I like it. I don't love it. I am more than happy to keep Legereus Need in the slot or as a boundary cornerback. But honestly, if Steve Spagnuolo came out in camp and said, hey, guess what? This is what we're doing now. I I would be pretty rah-rah about it. I think as long as somebody comes out and says, this is what we're doing, this is why we think we're going to do it, which would be what we do. Just like if the team was able to come out and portray confidence in their decision to do this, I would fully understand, right? Like I would get the concept that I understand what they're doing and I wouldn't be mad about it until I got to see it. I would be very willing to see how it plays out before I would be upset. The thing is though, I think having Snead move around and play so much shadow coverage and play boundary corner down the stretch of this past year, it makes me think this is something that they've either never had the conversation about or they did and said, eh, we like him at corner. Yeah. Brandon W. asked, does the linebacker play in the Super Bowl makeup for lesser play earlier in the season? Or another way of thinking about this, is Brendan Daly back on staff next year? Maddie, what you think here? Uh, I mean, they 
They went through a lull in the middle. Okay, there was a learning curve to start the year. Then there was a lull in the middle of the year where they were kind of peaking and then fell down a little bit. And then they rebounded really well down the stretch and into the playoffs. So, I I mean, I guess, why not? Bring, I mean, unless you have somebody at the ready. Actually, you know, this is all I'll say. I don't know what's happening with Steve Spagnuolo right now. I would assume there's a lot of coaches, assistant coaches on the staff that might be up for a contract extension, renewal, or to go find a new job. Depending on what you're going to do with that, what's going to happen? Let's say you want to give, I don't know, Joe Cullen a little bit more say. You want to bring back Steve Spagnuolo, but give Joe Cullen more say. Maybe you see who he likes as a linebacker coach. Maybe you are really planning on him being a future DC here, or you try to find someone that he likes to work with. If it's Brandon Daly, it's Brandon Daly. If it's not, it's not. You know what I mean? It's like, so I think that there's there's kind of different ways to go about it, and it starts with who's going to be your defensive coordinator first. Yeah, maybe it's Kim Flagell. As we know, that's how he pronounces his name because Sean Barber told us after we've been mispronouncing it for a while. Um, Kay Gomegger, real quick, asks, does Spags belong to KC now or is his greatest legacy in New York? His greatest game's in New York, but he belongs to KC. He's ours. He's all ours now at this point. All right. Yeah, and as long as we never run him away. Yeah. Oh, please. Yes. Corey Peter asks, compare contrast Nick Bolton with Derek Johnson. Corey had asked this in the chat on one of our previous episodes. And so going to kind of go through this. DJ was a much looser athlete, which allowed, which afforded him to play man coverage significantly better. He got his hands on more balls. He was constantly in throwing lanes. His zone dropping was just absolutely elite from the get-go. Like, that's the thing that I think people don't realize. DJ was a first-round linebacker because of a lot of those coverage abilities, because of that blitzing ability, and because of that crazy explosion that he had. DJ also flipped a lot of blocks. His, his art form was ducking under a climbing blocker or somebody who was unsuspecting and kind of making himself skinny, knifing through and getting into the backfield that way. Nick is not that. Nick's going to get there, but he might run through the guard while that's happening. He's not going to necessarily slip through. He's still going to be just as effective, just as penetrative, but you know, it's not going to be as kind of loose athletically and you see that in some of his coverage drops as well that's not to say that he can't get better at him he certainly did this year and he's constantly making impact plays and constantly around the ball but it is a much different way of approaching the linebacker position that the two of them play both of them are insanely smart both of them are picking up on things before the plays even snap DJ talks about it all the time with Nick how far ahead of him both in the processing and IQ and everything like that than he was at this point in his career. But athletically, DJ is just a completely different beast on the field and what he could do to deconstruct blocks and stay in phase and coverage. Maddie, my friend, you're muted. I don't think there's much of a comparison athletically between the two. Um, and like, you would even want to say that when you're talking about the athleticism and what each do, you would like to say that Nick Bolton comes and can deconstruct blocks and stack and shed them better, but that's still not his game either. Like, neither guy built their game around meeting a lead blocker in the hole, stacking them up right there on the spot, and then getting off of the block to make the tackle. They're both trying to slip the tackle or the blocker. Just one it was was 
a lot better at it, and that's Derek Johnson. I do think that it takes a lot more eye candy, a lot more uh, concentrated effort to fool Nick Bull. That still can be done. We saw it this year numerous times, but it takes concentrated effort. You have to go out of your way to give him a lot to look at and try to process through. Derek Johnson, at this same point in his career, you know, just a couple seasons into the NFL, you could just throw just about anything his way and he's chasing it. Like if he thinks the ball's there, he was chasing it at that point in time. And he grew out of that, obviously, and became a great player. I, I hope Nick Bolton can keep develop, especially in coverage, especially as a man and a zone defender. I don't know if the skill set's there to be a great man defender, but improve as a zone defender. Don't be, become a more net positive in passing situations and coverage. And then we can really start to have this conversation. You don't want to demean a guy that was just huge to the Chiefs Super Bowl win, who almost won MVP if they ruled a 50-50 catch the other direction, probably. But I don't really think there's much of a comparison between the two. But we also saw Derek Johnson's entire career. We saw him playing at his absolute Mm. best already. We don't know what Nick Bolton's best is going to look like. Derek Johnson got benched at one point in his career by Todd Haley. Absolutely. Got benched. I know he shouldn't have, but he did well, get binged. And Derrick Johnson should be a Hall of Fame linebacker, damn it. So I yeah, it's a it's a high bar. Zach Thomas, so God. This one's gonna end this. That the Zach Thomas thing is going to end us. <laughs> I am going to end us. No, this question is going to end us. Zach Saminarask says, please describe in earnest detail, the sinking feeling of all of the AFC contenders as they realize that this was supposed to be the year that they knocked off the Chiefs. Man, it must suck to be the Buffalo Bills right now. It has to really suck to be the Bills because, like, you spent the past... 20 years just kind of living in the shadow of a quarterback that was in your division that all he did was win championships he was an unstoppable force like you you couldn't get out of the division they were winning the division pretty much every year you were competitive you were a playoff team sometimes but realistically it was that other team that had the number that was going to make it out of the AFC that was going to go ahead and win then you finally get a new quarterback. You, you're you ready to go. You got a guy that can finally compete. You got a good young team, a good young defense. You're finally ready to rule the division. You're going to be in the number one seed conversation each and every year. And now you've got the best player of all time playing in your conference. You got the best player of all time ruining your playoffs constantly. You would have this year again, but they didn't get through Joe Burrow. It must suck to have that sort of utility. And they're the best option of any of the teams that could be in the AFC. Everybody else is an also-ran. Next year, everybody else is an also-ran already. And it sucks. It sucks for them. The sinking feeling of just sitting there and knowing we have to do everything in our power to stop Patrick LeVon Mahomes and Andy Reid from running this thing again especially in a rebuild year. So we're going to go out and spend every penny we have, use every asset we have, try and get everything on our roster that we can because this is the one that we need. And you screwed up because it still didn't work. It must suck to suck.
I mean, even thinking about this one, the Chiefs won a Super Bowl in 2019 with a lot of high-priced guys, with a lot of very expensive players all around this offense, the defense, because Patrick Mahomes was on a rookie contract. They tried to do it again in 2020, and they lost in the Super Bowl, large thanks to some injuries, right? Then everybody knew they were going to have to reset stuff. They were going to have to find a way to make it work with Patrick Mahomes on this big contract. That's where traditionally NFL teams, besides the Patriots and a little bit of the Steelers, had not made it work. They had not been able to do that. They had not been able to do that, especially consistently. And what happens the very next year? The Chiefs, you know, they're a good football team. They're trying. They get to the AFC Championship game. Oh, wow, they're a bad year. They're only making the AFC Championship game, losing in overtime. And then they make this big trade to trade Tyreek Hill. You're in the AFC right now. You're thinking, okay, now that the Chiefs were even more close to the Patriots' like level of domination, but there was a chance that they could start on that. And here they are. They lost the Super Bowl. They lost the AFC Championship game. They're trading away Tyreek Hill. Look at all these guys, these moves they're having to make to make things work now. It ain't happening again. No way. We're all good. We have at least two years now. And if we can snuff them out for these next two years, then guess what? It doesn't matter. They can do whatever they want after that. Now we're just talking about them like the Indianapolis Colts, which is a great team, but nobody mentions them as a dynasty. Well, guess what? Guess what you did, AFC? You screwed up. You miss. You underestimated the Chiefs. You underestimated Brett Veach. You underestimated Andy Reid. You underestimated Patrick Mahomes. And now, as you sit here on, you know, a Saturday, almost a week after the, the Super Bowl, almost a week after the Chiefs became the two-time world champions, three-time three world champions. Three that's a bit of a ring. We're today. talking about this roster, though, two-time. Yeah. You're sitting here. You're looking up at the sky. You're sitting outside. It's kind of getting dark out. You're looking at the stars, wondering about your your little fraudulent existence here in the realm of the AFC. And you're going, damn, we just got beat down for 20 years by Tom Brady and the New England Patriots. And here comes these Kansas City Chiefs. And I don't think they're going to be that. But we really got to find a way to beat them because even when they have a down year, even when we think they're rebuilding, even when we think that they aren't the best, they aren't set up to win, guess what? They won. They whooped our ass again, and they're going to be better. And guess what? When they have to reset it again, they're going to figure it out because they've now done it twice. Twice. That Two is times. a sinking bad feeling for anybody that has been coaching in the AFC or around the AFC since 2000. And what, two? Yeah. Yeah. It just, man, sucks to suck. That's going to do it for 21 questions. Thanks to our good pals at Macadoodles. Like, share, subscribe. Give us five stars on Apple, Spotify, whatever your podcatcher is of choice. We will be back with the lab live on Monday. Ready for you then. Until then, be kind to each other. We'll catch you later. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard and think others would as well. You can find all six of our channels at KCSN, covering the Chiefs, the Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current, plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. 
So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.